Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Cowden coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, we take a look at legal and verbal assaults on pregnancy resource centers in California and in New Jersey. Also, famous Christian apologist John Ankerberg responds to the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability's decision to terminate his membership. And a new report says that churches and ministries kept more than $7 billion in payroll protection plan funds. We'll take a look at some of those details. We begin today with an update on a story we've been covering for a while. A Minnesota youth pastor accused of sexually assaulting multiple teenage girls has been arrested. Back in March, we reported that the senior pastors of Vineyard Church in Duluth, Minnesota, had resigned after refusing to cooperate with the church's investigation into their son. The pastors were Michael and Brenda Gatlin. Now their son Jackson has been arrested and charged with assaulting teenage girls between 2007 and 2010 when he was a volunteer youth leader at his parents' church. He was eventually hired by the church under his parents and continued to work there until December of last year when he was suspended pending this investigation. Gatlin's alleged crimes have abended the church. Yeah, they have. Leaders of the church say that they became aware of the accusations in October of last year when a former youth group member told them about Jackson's assault on teenage girls. The church then informed police the following month and hired Grace uh, to conduct an investigation. Since then, they've been pretty vigilant about posting updates for the church and the public. Yeah, they have been. They've published a timeline of events so far, including the details of Brenda Gatlin attempting to protect her son while both she and her husband, Michael Gatlin, were placed on leave at the church back in February. The church says that the couple is accused of covering up some of Jackson's misconduct, spiritual abuse, bullying, gossip, retaliation, and various incidents of unprofessional, unethical, or unkind behavior. The church, which is now under the leadership of interim pastor John Cleaver, is offering healing path training for its leaders. And in September, the church started a new sermon series on lament. Warren, let's move on to our next story. Last week, we reported on a California official who filed a lawsuit to prevent pregnancy care centers from promoting treatment for women who want to reverse a chemical abortion. This week, we have news from New Jersey of a congressman who launched a rhetorical attack on pregnancy resource centers there. New Jersey Congressman John Gottheimer uh, held a press conference last week in front of Lighthouse Pregnancy Center in Hackensack, New Jersey. He called Lighthouse and other pregnancy centers deceptive brainwashing cult clinics that need to be shut down, and he accused them of spreading misinformation. Gottheimer is helping lead the Stop Anti-Abortion Disinformation Act in the House to prevent crisis pregnancy centers from, and I'm quoting here, spreading deceptive advertising about health care. He called the center's health care hoax clinics, then 
that claim to be a health care clinic but have no medical professionals behind their doors. Which, as Lighthouse refuted, is just not true. That's right. Debbie Provencher is the executive director of the Lighthouse Pregnancy Resource Center in Hackensack, as well as other clinics in nearby cities. She was actually at that press conference and told the congressman that Lighthouse indeed does have nurses and sonographers on site. But he replied, not according to my research evidence, they don't. And yet, Preventure says, according to her knowledge, he never spoke with any of the Lighthouse staff or the clients that they've served. And this isn't the first time New Jersey government officials have publicly called out pregnancy care centers. Just last year in December, New Jersey Attorney General Matt Platkin issued a consumer alert alleging that pregnancy centers mislead and misrepresent how they operate. Now, a consortium of New Jersey pregnancy centers responded by filing suit, claiming that the consumer alert unfairly tarnishes their reputation and disregards the valuable services that these centers offer at no charge to thousands of women and their families each year. The lawsuit demanded copies of the documentation that the Attorney General and Consumer Affairs Director possessed when they made these statements. Over the course of four months, they tried to get access to those documents, but the state refused. Next up, John and Darlene Ankerberg. In a letter to donors, John and Darlene Ankerberg expressed disappointment in the recent actions of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, the ECFA, to terminate the membership of the Ankerberg Theological Research Institute. The letter also said that the ECFA had no interest in direct communication with them during this review. The ECFA has denied that assertion. They have. Jake Lapp, the vice president of membership accountability for the ECFA, told Ministry Watch, our policy, as noted on our website, is that during a formal compliance review, ECFA staff under the oversight of ECFA's board of directors will investigate all necessary details to help determine whether the member is abiding by ECFA's standards. And that includes direct communication with the organization. We were in ongoing communication with Ankerberg Theological Research Institute during the months our review took place, as we would be with any member under a formal compliance review. Ministry Watch reported in August that the ECFA's review resulted in termination of the membership of ATRI, the producer of the popular apologetics program, The John Ankerberg Show. This termination follows an investigation that determined that Ankerberg failed to comply with three of the ECFA's seven standards for financial integrity. The review of Ankerberg's organization by the ECFA came after a former fundraising executive at ATRI went public with concerns about how Ankerberg used nearly $20 million raised supposedly to fund audio Bibles. Those concerns were first reported by Ministry Watch and were later the subject of a lengthy front page story in the Chattanooga Times Free Press. ATRI, by the way, is headquartered near Chattanooga. The whistleblower is Andrew Yeager, a former director of donor relations at ATRI. Ankerberg's ministry has since sued Yeager for allegedly violating a severance agreement, and that case is still pending. 
Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, Athletes in Action provides chaplains to NFL teams and thousands of churches keep billions in the PPP funds over the past few years. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hey everybody, Warren Smith here interrupting the podcast for a brief minute to let you know that uh, we have a a new gift to share with uh, anyone who makes a donation to Ministry Watch during the month of October. It's called 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry. Now this is a document that we actually produced in conjunction with Calvin Edwards and Company and the Strategic Resource Group uh, probably about a year ago, but we now have beautiful printed copies of this booklet, uh, and uh, I'd love to send you a copy. Just make a donation to Ministry Watch anytime during the month of October, and uh, you will get a free copy of that booklet as our thank you gift. I use that booklet every day here at Ministry Watch to ask some of the important and occasionally tough questions that we have to ask of ministries, and I strongly recommend that if you are a regular donor to Christian Ministries, that This is a booklet that you need to have, and uh, it's designed to be like a checklist that you can go through. And some of the questions may not be as important to you as others, but I think all of them are worth considering. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page, and uh, you'll have our thanks. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Warren, we're officially in the fall season, and for many people, fall means football. Yeah, it does. Fall indeed does mean football, and at least in the NFL, that means that staffers from Athletes in Action, the sports ministry of crew, are busy serving a number of NFL teams. Now, unlike Major League Baseball, which uses Baseball Chapel to offer players and coaches regular chapel services before nearly every game, NFL teams vary in their commitment to introducing chaplains and pastors to their organizations. A few NFL teams have full-time chaplains on staff, but most outsource the work either to local churches or to national organizations like Athletes in Action. This season, uh, Athletes in Action has staff members working with the Carolina Panthers, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cleveland Browns, the Denver Broncos, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New York Giants, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. George McGrubbin is the New York-based director of Athletes in Action's NFL Pro Staff Division. Yeah, George McGovern, in fact, has worked with Crew for 47 years, even way back when it was known as Campus Crusade for Christ. And he's also served as a chaplain for a number of New York sports teams, including the New York Jets, the New York Mets, and the New York Nets. He served as the New York Giants chaplain for 20 years and with the Yankees for 26 years. Athletes in Action was founded in 1966 with Crew staff member Dave Hanna. He started a basketball team made up of former college players. The team organized exhibition games with D1 teams as evangelistic events. Athletes in Action, by the way, is just one of dozens of Crew's specialized ministries. They include 
such ministries as the Jesus Film Project, Josh McDowell Ministry, Crew Military, Family Life, and the original Campus Ministry. A Athletes in Action's alone has an annual budget of about $45 million. Cruise U.S. revenue last year was over $600 million and had an additional $150-plus million coming from international sources. And Athletes in Action is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to sports ministries. That's right. There are 19 Christian sports ministries that are members of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, the ECFA. Fellowship of Christian Athletes is older than uh, Athletes in Action. It was founded in 1954 and bigger. It had revenue last year of over $200 million. But Athletes in Action does have a greater presence in the NFL. The two ministries together spend a combined quarter of a billion dollars a year. But George McGovern, who leads Athletes in Action, says that the investment in the NFL teams is worth it due to the sport's prominence in American culture. For example, in 2022, 82 of the 100 most television programs for the year were NFL football games. McGovern said this, professional sports is a high visibility industry. These guys are looked up to. Some of them are worshipped by fans who honor the football rituals. There's an influence and an impact that professional sports has on our culture. Liberty University is in the spotlight again as a result of the Department of Education report came in saying that it broke federal regulations related to campus safety. Liberty promotes itself, of course, as a safe university environment while repeatedly breaking federal safety regulations, destroying records and failing to warn students about both executives and students who have been involved in repeated episodes of sexual violence. That, according to a confidential 74-page report from the Education Department obtained by the Washington Post, the report paints a picture of a university that discouraged people from reporting crimes, underreported the claims uh, that it received, and meanwhile, marketed its Virginia campus as one of the safest in the country, according to a 2,700-word article in the Washington Post that was published on Tuesday. The Clary Act requires schools that accept federal financial aid to maintain and report crime statistics. Liberty is one of the largest and most influential Christian colleges in the U.S., and it does indeed receive a lot of federal funds. In fact, it got $874 million in uh, aid during the 2021 school year. Some of that was in direct grants like Pell Grants, and others were in government-backed student loans. But according to the Education Department report, it failed to fulfill its requirements, compromised the safety of students, and committed other violations. Our next story involves churches and ministries that took payroll protection program funds. Churches and Christian ministries have accepted more than $7 billion in payroll protection program, PPP loans, under the CARES Act. That, according to research conducted by Christianity Today and published this week. And most of that money went to churches. Yeah, about one-third of all churches in the United States accepted PPP funds, including about 
$5 billion that went just to the churches. That doesn't include more than $2 billion that went to Christian ministries. Uh, the research found that almost all of those loans were subsequently forgiven. Now, the loans varied in size from just a few hundred dollars to over $10 million. Heritage Christian Services, a New York-based ministry for persons with disabilities, for example, took $10 million in PPP funds. Life Church, which is headquartered in Oklahoma City and uh, led by uh, sort of celebrity pastor Craig Groeschel, took about $7 million. Some churches paid back their loans, while others were found to have committed fraud in obtaining them. Ministry Watch, in fact, has reported on some of those organizations, one, the Aslan Group down in Florida. The U.S. Department of Justice reported, reported on October 11th that four more individuals in both Tennessee and Arkansas were indicted for fraudulent PPP loan applications. But not everyone who was eligible took the loans. Well, that's right. In fact, Ministry Watch uh, was eligible, and we chose not to take the loans. And I should add that both Crown Financial Ministries CEO Chuck Bentley and well-known financial advisor Dave Ramsey advised churches against accepting PPP loans, basing their concerns on potential interference by the government in their ministry. On the other hand, anti-tax and small government advocate Grover Norquist, who runs an organization called Americans for Tax Reform, did take the funds, encouraged others to do so as well. He said that there was no hypocrisy in taking the funds. He said this uh, to me in an interview that I did with him, if the government requires your business to shut down when you want to stay open, then the government should compensate you for that involuntary closure. Warren, we're going to take another break. When we return, our lightning round of ministry news for the week. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hey everybody, Warren Smith once again, just to remind you that during the month of October, we'll send you a copy of our booklet, 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry for a gift of any size to Ministry Watch. Uh, I, I do need to tell you too that October is often a slow month for us. I mean, it's kind of before the November, December year-end stuff. So if you've been thinking about giving to Ministry Watch, now would be a great time to do so. We would be very grateful and we'll send you this really valuable resource, 75 Red Flags to Consider before donating to a Christian ministry. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. We like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? Software giant Blackbaud has agreed to pay $49.5 million to settle investigations in 49 states and the District of Columbia regarding a May 2020 data breach that impacted more than 1 million files from about 13,000 clients worldwide. Now, Blackbaud provides software to nonprofits, so many Christian ministries 
use BlackBald software and were caught up in that data breach. The breach has cost the Charleston, South Carolina provider of software many millions more in legal expenses, according to disclosures during its quarterly stockholder reports. The estimate was up to $30 million over the course of the past year. The data attack happened on February 7th of 2020, but it went undetected until May of that year, and users were not notified until July of 2020. We have a notable death to report. We do. Lauren Cunningham, who is the founder of Youth with a Mission, died peacefully in uh, Hawaii last Friday, according to a statement from YWAM, which is the common acronym for Youth with a Mission. He was 88 years old. He was diagnosed with stage four cancer back in March. Warren, I imagine most of our listeners have heard of YWAM. It's a huge missions movement. Can you tell us more about how Cunningham started it all? Well, Cunningham was the son and the grandson of Pentecostal evangelists, and he himself came to faith in Christ when he was about 13 years old. He went on to find YWAM, to found YWAM in 1960. Uh, he would have been about 25 years old at the time, so he was pretty young himself. Uh, he was something of a globetrotter. He traveled to every sovereign nation on earth during his life, all dependent countries and more than 100 territories and islands. And missionaries involved in YWAM have followed his example. Yeah, they have. The ministry uh, says that it has tens of thousands of full-time staff in more than 200 countries around the world. I know I have uh, interacted often with YWAM staffers or people that have been through their training over the years. I know, Natasha, you're there in Colorado Springs. They have a a huge facility there uh, sort of all over the place in the Springs. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a big organization. Uh, he created YWAM to be a decentralized ministry, though, uh, that made missions accessible to people that were often overlooked by missions agencies, people that other agencies dismissed as either being too old or insufficiently trained or from maybe the wrong denominational tradition. The ministry uh, said Lauren is often called the deregulator of missions because he broke the 60s missionary paradigm by creating opportunities for youth to serve short-term missions globally and sometimes unsalaried. YWAM has not been without its critics, though. That decentralized model created accountability issues. Yeah, it has. And we've reported on some of them here uh, at Ministry Watch. They've had some problems with accounting and also just transparency and accountability. Uh, Because uh, Lauren Cunningham saw YWAM, though, as a movement and not an organization, it for many years was not even incorporated. Uh, And it lacked a centralized organization or headquarters. In fact, it's actually a network of linked ministries that share the same vision. It has no president, no board of directors, uh, fundraising department, or annual reports, at least some of the divisions operate that way. Again, there's wide diversity within the YWAM movement, so you can find a little bit of everything uh, within the YWAM organization. And to be fair, it's been a stunning success. 
Yeah, it has in many ways. This non-hierarchical structure, I guess uh, some people call that philosophy, let a thousand flowers bloom wherever they might happen to bloom, has empowered its workers to create hundreds of independent organizations. Some of them, like, for example, the one in San Diego has over $20 million in annual revenue. And they reach unbelievers around the globe with uh, just a wide range of ministries. At the same time, though, again, the organization structure means that information about much of his work is unknown. Sometimes it's even by enclosed countries, and its internal operations have been somewhat opaque. Also, some victims of sexual and spiritual abuse have claimed that the decentralized structure has made it difficult to hold abusers accountable. You might, for example, be in a country halfway around the world with a bunch of college-age students led by a leader who might be in his or her early 20s. So there's a a lot of opportunity for uh, things to happen off the radar screen, you might say. Uh, We've reported on some of these incidents in the past, and you can find them by typing YWAM into the search engine on the Ministry Watch website. Who's in our ministry spotlight this week? Well, given the attack on Israel by the terrorist group Hamas, we wanted to highlight uh, a ministry that does work there. So we took a look at Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, which began in 1938 as a compassionate ministry to meet the physical and spiritual needs of Jewish people who were homeless and affected by the Holocaust during World War II. The ministry stands against every form of anti-Semitism and supports the right of the Jewish people to live in their ancient homeland, Israel. The ministry produces a weekly radio program called FOI Today, Friends of Israel Today, which airs on more than 500 radio stations and various social media platforms. It also publishes a magazine, Israel My Glory magazine. Among the more interesting things that the ministry has done, it's built more than 60 bomb shelters in Israel, which unfortunately are coming in pretty handy right now. Yeah, there's a lot of ministries that are raising money for Israel relief now. Do you have any advice? Well, I do. Number one is check the Ministry Watch website. Just type the word Israel into the search engine and you'll find profiles of ministries that we have done over the years that work in Israel. Uh, Also check the Ministry Watch 1000 database uh, and do not give to ministries that don't have high ratings and that are not members of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Now, what about Friends of Israel? Do they meet the standards? Yeah, it does. Uh, Ministry Watch's donor confidence score for Friends of Israel is 81, which means give with confidence, 81 out of a possible 100. The uh, financial efficiency rating is not one of our better ones. It's two out of five, but nonetheless, that's not terrible. Uh, It is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. And I should also add that one of the things that I think is important about this ministry, it has been around a long time. I mentioned that it was founded in 1938. It's large. It's got nearly $17 million in revenue. That means it has a robust presence in Israel. And um, I think that that means that you can definitely give to this ministry with confidence. And who did Christina highlight in Ministries Making a Difference? 
Well, I want to mention a couple. One is called Heaven's Family. They said that their partners in Myanmar, formerly known as Burma, are working to help trafficking victims who call into their hotline there. So far this year, they say they've helped 172 victims by rescuing them and helping them to return home. By the way, Heaven's Family has a five-star financial efficiency rating, which is one of our, which is our top score, an A transparency grade from. Uh, ministry watch and a donor confidence score of 96 which is again one of our top scores also want to mention samaritan's purse as well because samaritan's purse is active in a lot of uh, crisis and conflict zones right now including israel this weekend they airlifted 30 tons of emergency release supplies to help families in Armenia after violence erupted there back in September. They're also deploying two burn specialty teams to provide surgical care for burn patients uh, impacted by a gas station explosion nearby. Uh, Samaritan's Purse has two stars in terms of financial efficiency and a donor confidence score of 60, which, again, is not one of our top scores. And uh, we recommend that you give to Samaritan's Purse, but give with caution. Make sure you know where your money's going. And Warren, do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, it's a new month, and we have a new gift for our donors. Um, Ministry Watch has published a booklet called 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry. We'll send that booklet to you as our thanks for any gift that you make to Ministry Watch during the month of October. This is a great tool for Christian donors. In fact, you know, Natasha, as I've been mentioning, the donor confidence score and transparency grades and so on and so forth that we have computed here at Ministry Watch for ministries. I want to say that this is the booklet that we use. These These are the questions that we use to come up with those scores. But if you want to take a deep dive into a ministry that's close to your heart, recommend getting this book and walking them through that checklist. To get your copy, just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen DeBerry, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Paul Clolry, Tom Capisi, Kim Roberts, Christina Darnell, Rod Pitzer, and you, Warren. A special thanks to Tom Capisi and the Tri-State Voice and to the nonprofit Times for contributing materials for this week's podcast. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.